and welcome back to another episode of Emotions and Potions. A love slash hate letter to with your host. I'm Ashton. And I'm Alex. This week, we tackle a very popular, very popular fantasy book, which is A Court of Thorns and Roses, Akatar. I'm actually surprised it's taken us this long to do a book in this series. What? You're giving me a look like it was my <laughs> fault that it's taken us a while? It is. What? <laughs> it is. I've been asking you to read this book for quite some time. Okay. It's because it's not on Kindle Unlimited and I'm a Kindle Unlimited hoe. <laughs> that's like all I use. And I didn't want to buy it. But then I did buy it in an airport when I was traveling. So then I was like, okay, I have book one. I guess we can. It's on our library apps. I know. I don't really like the library app reading. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) But anyway, it's my (laughs) fault that it's taken us this long to do it. But guess what? We're finally doing it. We're finally getting into the Akatar world by Sarah J. Mass. Yes. And I'm a little like, so there have been a few books that we've done where I get a little nervous about doing them because of like the cult following. Oh, this is totally one of them. (laughs) Totally. I'm nervous about it as well. It's like, I'm not nervous, but I kind of am. I'm like, oh no. How well received is this going to be? I know. But okay, Alex, how about we go through some content and trigger warnings of Akatar? All right. We got drugging, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, loss of a parent, kidnapping, sex scenes, racism, classism, manipulation, murder, torture, and violence. So all the fun things. So hit us with that back-of-the-book synopsis, Ash. When 19-year-old Huntress Feyre kills a wolf in the woods, a terrifying creature arrives to demand retribution. Dragged to a treacherous magical land she knows about only from legends, Feyre discovers that her captor is not truly a beast, but one of the lethal immortal fairies who once ruled her world. At least, he's not a beast all the time. As she adapts to her new home, her feelings for the fairy Tamlin transform from icy hostility into a fiery passion that burns through every lie she's been told about the beautiful, dangerous world of the fae. But something is not right in the fairy lance. An ancient, wicked shadow is growing, and Feyre must find a way to stop it or doom Tamlin and his world forever. From best-selling author Sarah J. Mass comes a seductive, breathtaking book that blends romance, adventure, and fairy lore into an unforgettable read. And something else that wasn't mentioned in this, which I kind of liked, it is kind of based on Beauty and the Beast. Yes. It's like a Beauty and the Beast retelling, or it has... Oh, it's definitely a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Yeah, so... You know us, we love our we love our retellings. So yes, that was do. That was kind of cool. I like that. Okay, so now that we've gotten content trigger warnings out of the way and our synopsis so you know a little bit about the book if you haven't read it yet, why don't we get into our potion of the episode? Alex, my mixologist. Yes. What concoction have you created for us today? I've made us fairy wine. And that's from the book. Yes. Like they, it's literally fairy wine is what they drink in. There's different types of fairy wine. I was kind of modeling this after like the fairy wine that was in the spring court. So not the super trippy one from under the mountain. (laughs) Yep. Okay. And so what's in this fairy wine? So we have some honey vanilla chamomile tea with some white crayon strawberry juice and then some sparkling rosé. Ooh. 
If you want it as a non-alcoholic option, do the sparkling rosé Welch's grape juice. Okay. Some honey lavender syrup that I made. Mm. And a little bit of lemon juice and some luster dust, you know, to give it that like fairy magical looking. Glim, like. Shimmer, shimmer, glimmer. Yes. Love it. Yeah, that's the first thing I noticed. I said, oh, she's back in the, she's back in her edible glitter for this I mean, potion. It's a book about fairies. You can't. I mean, you have to. I can't not do. The- but I will say the glitter does make it look magical. Right? Like it makes it look fantasy-esque. So, all right, Alex, let's try this fairy wine. Cheers. Let's see if it'll get us as fucked up as <laughs> No, this is not the under the mountain version. (laughs) I didn't put absinthe in here. (laughs) Oh my gosh, could you imagine? Ooh, very good. Very spring court. Yeah, I'm tasting that lavender, which I'm a huge fan of lavender as a flavor. But yes, this gives me like springtime vibes, what I would expect to find in the spring. Yay. So yay. If you want the potion, it'll be on our social media pages, Emotions and Potions Pod. It's very delicious. Okay, we have our potion. Let's embark on this journey of Akatar. Feyre Archeron lives in poverty in a mortal village with her father and sisters, Elaine and Nesta. Feyre, at 19, has become the primary caretaker for the Archerons. She's out hunting in the woods that border the fairylands. While tracking and hunting a deer, a large wolf appears. Feyre kills both the deer and the wolf, which will feed her family, and the pelt of the wolf should fetch money. Her sisters fight over which of them gets to spend the money when they don't contribute to helping the family survive. The Archerons used to be wealthy, but Feyre's father lost it all, and her mother died before their wealth was gone. On her mother's deathbed, Feyre swore she would keep the family together and look after them, which is why Feyre deals with her family's selfishness, big-time selfishness. On the following day, Feyre and her sisters go to the market to sell the wolf pelt. They are greeted by a follower of the Children of the Blessed, a group that think fairies are good and humans should still worship them. The Archerons do not share those same beliefs, and they actually hate and fear the fairies. After Nesta gets into an argument with one of the followers, Feyre finds a mercenary to sell the pelt to. The mercenary warns Feyre a fairy war is coming, and she shouldn't go deep into the woods and stay away from the wall, the border that separates the human realm from the fairy realm. As they leave the market, Feyre spots a local boy she used to casually hook up with to keep the loneliness away. She gives her sisters some of her earnings and takes off with her friends with benefits. <laughs> Later that night, a large creature breaks into the Archeron home demanding retribution for the killing of the wolf. Turns out the wolf was actually a fairy. The creature offers Feyre the option to die or live out the rest of her days in the fairy lands of Prithian. Feyre leaves her family with some parting wisdom to survive and a word of warning to Nesta not to marry the boy she planned on as his father beats his mother, so he probably would do the same thing to her. Her father says goodbye and wishes her well and good fortune in the fairy world as she was too good for their world and for them. And she leaves with the beast. While Feyre travels to Prithian, the lands of the fairies, which is divided and ruled by seven high lords, she wonders how and what her family will do to survive without her, and what she could expect of her own life as a prisoner to the beast. She tries to ask him about it, internally plots ways to flee, and he knocks her out with his magic. She awakes and they arrive at their destination. 
The beast turns into his fairy form, and Pharaoh realizes she's been taken to an elaborate estate of a high fae. In the home, she meets Lucian, another high fae and emissary to her captor. Pharaoh quickly learns that all the inhabitants of the area wear animal masks. Thera starts to settle into her new home and learns the name of her captor, Tamlin. She is very wary of the fairies, especially their food. She does start to befriend her servant, Alice, and Lucian. Thera does learn about a curse on Tamlin's lands. This curse has dulled their magic and is the reason why everyone must wear the masks. There seems to be more to the curse, but with a lack of trust, Thera won't learn more. One day, Thera joins Lucian on a hunt. She tries to get more information out of him, about the blight on magic, only to learn there is a woman behind it. Lucian warns Farah to not even to try to convince him to speak to Tamlin on her behalf to let her out of the treaty bargain. While on their hunt, they encounter a bog creature, which they escape and Tamlin later goes out to kill it. That evening, Farah hallucinates that her father has come for her and she attempts to flee. However, Tamlin is out patrolling and intercepts her escape. They argue about why she tried to leave, and Tamlin learns of Feyre's vow to her mother to take care of her family. He reassures her that they are being cared for. This gives Feyre some peace that her sacrifice is benefiting her family and heads back with Tamlin. Over the next few days, Feyre continues to join Lucian on hunts, and at night, Tamlin continues his hunt for the bog. Farah awakens from a nightmare reminding her of killing the wolf fairy, and she explores the manor, drawing a map of its layout. Tamlin returns to the manor in his beast form, wounded as he has finally killed the bog. Tamlin sees Farah's map and learns that she's illiterate. Farah takes him to the infirmary to care for his wounds. The next day, while Farah is admiring the art, as she is an artist herself, she overhears an argument between Tamlin and Lucian about how Tamlin is running out of time to fix the blight. She gets discovered and tries to play it off, asking Lucian to join her for a ride, but Lucian has Tamlin go with her instead. Instead of a hunt, Farah requests Tamlin to escort her to the study, which Tamlin obliges. They chat more pleasantly, and Feyre works on her reading and writing as she wants to send a letter to her family to let them know that she is okay and warn them of the dangers that could make their way into the human realm. When Feyre takes a break from her studies, she finds a painting that shows the story of the creation and history of Prithian, the world where the cauldron was born. She learns that she is in the spring court. Tamlin comes to check on Feyre and offers to write her letter to her family. The progress they have made in becoming friends takes two steps back as they start to argue about fairy-human relations. This argument leaves Tamlin in a sour mood and he takes his frustration out on Lucian. When Feyre runs into Lucian, he informs her of Tamlin's prickly encounter and Feyre uses this opportunity to get information out of Lucian on how to trap a cereal, an oracle-like creature who can't tell lies. Feyre gathers all the supplies from the intel gained from Lucian and sets out to trap the cereal. She is successful in snaring the creature and learns that she cannot return home, that Tamlin is High Lord of the Spring Court, and she is to stay with him and all will be righted. Not to go looking for more answers and warns her of the kingdom of Hybern, the ruler which hates humans. As she starts to learn that one of Hybern's followers has betrayed him, the Surreal alerts Feyre that they are no longer alone and to release it. Four Naga creatures appear. Feyre freed the Surreal and tried to run to where Lucian should be while fighting off the Naga. When the Naga have Feyre surrounded, it looks like they will kill her. Tamlin appears to, s- to slaughter the Naga and saves Feyre. 
He was out tracking Naga and heard her scream. Feyre thanks him for saving her, and they return to the manor. Back at the manor, Feyre gets scolded by Alice for going after the Surreal and learns that she has two nephews that she's looking out for, just like Feyre is looking out for her family. At dinner that evening with Tamlin and Lucian, they learn that she trapped a Surreal, which starts an argument and leads to a truce and start of a friendship between Feyre and Tamlin. He confides to her that her family is being well looked after and he glamoured their memory. They think Feyre has been taken in by a wealthy, distant, and ailing aunt, and they have been warned of the blight. Feyre uses this truce to ask Tamlin for paint. He will grant her request and will take her to the manor's gallery. This gesture starts to spark the beginnings of a crush on Tamlin for Feyre. That evening, a summer court fairy has been mortally injured. His wings were removed from his body by the mysterious she who is responsible for the blight. Tamlin and Lucian attempt to save this fairy, but sadly he has lost too much blood. Feyre held the stranger's hand and attempted to comfort him as he died. Tamlin was shocked by Feyre's actions, and she admits that she is sorry for the death of Tamlin's friend, and that everyone deserves to have someone's hand to hold and not die alone. After the traumatic evening, the next day, Lucian and Tamlin take Feyre for a picnic. Tamlin leads her away to take her for a swim, which starts to cement their mutual crush. And she also learns Lucian's backstory. He is an heir of the harsh Autumn Court. Lucian fell in love with a fairy of a lower rank, and his father had her killed, and Lucian fled, and some of his brothers came after him to kill him. Tamlin and Lucian killed two of Lucian's brothers, and Tamlin gave him a place in his court and made him emissary. Knowing his backstory, Farah understands his motivations and him a bit better. As they all ride back to the manor, Lucian apologizes for his actions with the Surreal and not coming to Farah's aid and gives her a knife as a peace offering. Farah is starting to form a friendship with Lucian and a deeper bond with Tamlin. She gets to visit the gallery with Tamlin and starts painting again. While wandering the Rose Gardens, she starts to get upset thinking of how her family didn't fight for her, and Tamlin consoles her and gives her a kiss on the cheek. Feyre wants more. The two grow closer, and Feyre learns Tamlin's story. He had a ruthless father and brothers. Tamlin didn't want to be High Lord, so he became a soldier in his father's army, but his power kept growing. An enemy court killed his family, and he became High Lord. The only member of his family that he misses is his mother. There is a fairy holiday approaching called Fire Night, and Feyre is to stay in her room and is not invited to the festivities, which hurts her feelings. She overhears another conversation with Tamlin and Lucian, this time with the Adder, and the mysterious woman is upset with Tamlin's actions and warns him not to break his terms. Time for the Fire Night, and Feyre decides she is not going to stay locked up in her room and joins the party. When she tried to find out about the Great Rite, Feyre almost gets sexually assaulted by three fairies and gets saved by an attractive noble fairy, not from the Spring Court. Feyre can't determine if this handsome stranger is friend or foe. As she heads back to the estate, Lucian spots Feyre and rushes her out of the Rite's ground and scolds her for leaving her rooms and explains what the Great Rite is and why it's dangerous for a human to be there. It's a magical ritual, and Tamlin's beast form takes over, and he is to take a maiden after a hunt. If Pharaoh was there, Tamlin would choose her as his maiden, and her body could not handle it. Pharaoh is jealous that he will have to bed someone that isn't her. Feyre, jealous and frustrated, goes to the kitchen for a midnight snack and runs into post-ritual Tamlin, who is in his fairy form, 
but magic still is like within him and he roughly kisses Pharaoh as he's been wanting her. He breaks their kiss and he tells her not to disobey him again and Pharaoh slaps him and returns to her room a little bit flustered. At the following dinner, Pharaoh dresses up and takes Tamlin to show him her paintings and gifts one to him. He starts to view all the ones she painted of her life and home and Tamlin realizes she understands him and his burden like he does hers. One day, while lounging in the meadow, Tamlin offers to show Pharaoh what his court looks like through fairy eyes in exchange for a kiss. She takes him up on this deal, but she playfully only kisses his hand. When Pharaoh awakens, Tamlin's removal of the glamour is still in effect, and she starts seeing the spring court for more of its true self, and she realizes there have been more fairies around the whole time. Tamlin warns Feyre not to acknowledge creatures not from his territory as he can't control them and they would most likely wish her harm. The following day, Feyre finds a high fae head left by the night court and Tamlin gets called away to the borderlands. Summer solstice festivities begin the next day. Tamlin has returned to court and Alice dresses Feyre in a gown and finery. Feyre is finally starting to feel like a woman now that she has been well fed and cared for. She isn't the only one to take notice of her more womanly figure. Tamlin and Lucian have noticed too, and Tamlin escorts her to the Stolsis party. Lucian warns Feyre from drinking fairy wine, and she ignores him and consumes two glasses instantly feeling its effects. Feyre joins the dancing and loses herself. Lucian tries to play babysitter and get her under control, but Tamlin steps in and encourages her to continue dancing and winds up joining her. Feyre and Tamlin wander off, dance with the spirits, and kiss passionately. At breakfast the next morning, Tamlin and Feyre get updates on the spreading and killing that Blight is doing when they are interrupted by an unwelcome visitor. One of those visitors is the stranger that helped Feyre on fire night, Rhysian, High Lord of the Night Court. Rhysian was the one who left the beheaded fairy, and he is a minion of Amarantha. When Reese notices Feyre, he taunts Tamlin and Lucian about exposing her existence to Amarantha, and the men beg him not to, literally. Reese states he'll consider it and asks for Feyre's name, and she gives him that of a village girl and friend of her sister. With that, Reese leaves and tells them how he will be seeing them under the mountain. After the confrontation with Reese, Tamlin decides to send Feyre back to her family for her protection, but she does not want to leave. Feyre and Tamlin have sex, and he confesses that he loves her. Feyre doesn't say it back. When she returns to her family, Feyre sees that her family's fortune has been more than restored, and it is all thanks to Tamlin. Her father has also been healed, though she must keep up the ruse of having to care for a distant aunt that has now passed. Nesta is a little suspicious by Feyre's return. She doesn't question it too much as she is enjoying being rich again. Feyre catches up with Elaine and learns that Nesta attempted to visit her and cut her social and courting season short. Feyre is struggling to adapt to life back with her family and humans. She misses Tamlin and the spring court. Nesta notices and calls her out and how there is no Aunt Ripley. Tamlin's glamour did not work on Nesta, and she remembers everything from him being in his beast form to him stealing Feyre. Nesta was able to make it to the wall, but didn't find a way through. Feyre fills her in on all that has happened to her, her time in Prithian, and teaches her how to paint. Feyre's father throws a ball in honor of her return. She tries to enjoy herself, but still has Tamlin and his safety on her mind. She learns the better family has died, and Claire, the name she gave Rhysand, 
is missing. This news shakes Feyre and she decides to go back to Perithian and warns her family to either leave or get more protection. Nesta takes this warning seriously as she knows the truth from Feyre and tells her not to return this time. But Feyre takes off Elaine lets her know that she has remembered now too. When Feyre returns to the spring court, she finds it totally destroyed. She finds Alice, who lets her know that Tamlin has been taken by Amarantha to her court under the mountain. Amarantha, emissary for King Highburn, and has declared herself High Queen of Prithian, and she is responsible for the curse on Tamlin and his court. Amarantha's hatred of humans is due to the death of her sister at the hands of a human Jurian. She was able to steal the powers of the High Lords with a spell. Tamlin, having avoided her for years after getting weakened, sent Lucian to treaty with Amarantha. She refused, and Lucian got ugly with her, and she gorged his eye out. To make amends for what she did to Lucian, she threw a masquerade ball where Amarantha offered peace in exchange for Tamlin becoming her lover. He rejected her, and she cursed him with a heart of stone and lost his powers, which will last 49 years. It can only be broken by the love of of a human with hate in her heart for fairies. After 49 years, if the challenge was not met, Tamlin would become Amarantha's slave and lover. Tamlin let Feyre go three days before the end of the 49 years. Feyre gets scolded by Alice for not telling Tamlin she loves him and breaking the curse, and now Amarantha has come to collect her dues and will start to unleash her wrath on the human realm and the rest of Prithian. Feyre is determined to go under the mountain and set things right, or at least save Tamlin. As she is sneaking into Amarantha's court, she gets discovered by the Adder and taken to Amarantha. Feyre declares she is there for a tortured Tamlin who will not acknowledge her. She also sees that Amarantha has killed and maimed Claire better. Amarantha taunts Tamlin with Feyre's feelings and he continues to protect Feyre by denying their acquaintance. However, Amarantha is still not done with her games and strikes a bargain with Feyre if she completes three tasks or solves a riddle, Tamlin's curse will be broken and they can leave. If she fails a task, Feyre will die. The tasks will take place once a month, and Feyre will stay under the mountain as Amarantha's prisoner and servant. Feyre accepts the bargain and then is immediately beaten. Feyre awakens in a dungeon cell. Lucian sneaks in to heal her as much as he can without drawing suspicion, and they bicker about her even coming in the first place. Feyre lets him know that she had to try and tell Tamlin that she loved him, and Lucian realizes that she knows about the curse and the history with King Highburn and Amarantha. When Feyre gets taken to learn of Amarantha's riddle, Amarantha wants to know Feyre's name. She doesn't have Rhysand and his mind control powers to get it, but threatens to have Lucian be in. Feyre gives Amarantha her name and learns the riddle. It's a few days later and it's time for the first task. Feyre must fight and kill a giant blind worm in a muddy trench. She passed task one, even though very injured and impressed Rhysand. Days after the task, Feyre has not been able to bathe, get her wounds treated or fed well, and starts to get very ill. Rhys enters Feyre's cell and offers to heal her in exchange for having to visit his court two weeks a month starting after the trials. After much reluctance and refusing at first, Feyre finally agrees to the bargain, 
but does negotiate the time down to one week as she is dying. She is cleaned and healed, but the bond left a large tattoo on her arm and hand. While waiting for the second task, Farah has to perform near impossible servant tasks. She gets assistance from Lucian's mother as a thank you and repayment for saving his life when she is to scrub floors that can't be cleaned. She gives Farah some sort of magical cleaning solution. She then has to sort lentils from Rhysand's fire ashes. He assists her with the task, and when the guards come for her, glamours them to no longer have Farah perform house household tasks or touch her. A party gets thrown, and Rhysand has Farah prepared to be his date, including some magical body paint. After he presents Feyre and the tale of his bargain to Amarantha and Tamlin, Rhysand has her drink the stronger fairy wine, which causes Feyre to black out. Lucian fills her in on her drunken antics the following morning, warns her from trusting Rhys, and ensures her that he will help her as much as he could. Feyre and Lucian, brotherly, sisterly, love, hate, friendship, has been cemented. The following night, Feyre must continue to drink fairy wine and dance. Tamlin continues to ignore Feyre, not trying to give away which of her punishments hurt him to protect Feyre as much as he can, but he is struggling. The day before the second trial, Rhysand comes to taunt Feyre before escorting her to Amarantha's throne room. She has a high lord of the summer court brought for Rhys's brand on interrogation. He reveals the lord was planning to escape into the human realm and had no accomplices. Feyre can tell he's withholding some info about the Summer Court's fairy's motives. Amarantha takes Rhys at his word and has him shatter the fairy's mind. Rhys just instantly kills him. Time for the second task, which is Feyre must solve a puzzle by picking the correct lever. If she picks the wrong lever, Feyre could kill herself, and to increase the pressure, Lucian is on the other side of the pit being lowered to his death. Pharaoh struggles with the puzzle as she can't read. She believes the second lever is the answer, and when she goes to grab it, she is met with an internal pain and burning coming from her eye tattoo. The same sensation happens when she reaches for the first level, and when she reaches for the third, there is no pain. She decides to trust Reese and pick the third level, which is the correct choice. This test emotionally breaks Pharaoh, and Reese talks her through their bond, and tells her not to let Amarantha see her cry and to hold it in until she's back in her cell. Feyre follows his mental commands and keeps her head held high until she's back in her cell and then breaks down. Reese goes to Feyre's cell after the task and finds she's crying and kisses her to snap her out of her emotional state and bickers with her which gets Feyre back to her fighting spirit and then he leaves. Feyre overhears a meeting about how King Hybern is unhappy with Amarantha, especially with her vendetta against Feyre. Two days before the final trial, Feyre is feeling defeated, and she hears in her mind some music that moves her and gives her hope to keep going. At the party that evening, Tamlin finally approaches Feyre, briefly holds her hand, and signals her for her to follow him. They sneak off and wildly make out as they are about to start fucking up against the wall. Rhysand interrupts them. Tamlin returns to the party and tells Feyre he loves her. Rhys scolds her for the risky behavior, which leads them to bickering, and he kisses Feyre aggressively, which gets interrupted by Amarantha. She gets dismissed back to her cell by Rhys. Later, he goes back to her cell, tired and worn out, and unburdens himself to Feyre about his motives and some of his scheming and undermining Amarantha. He has been intentionally winding Tamlin up, ramping up his rage for when Feyre breaks the curse and powers are restored. Tamlin will have that rage and strength ready and available 
to kill Amarantha. Now it's time for the final task. Feyre must stab three hooded fairies in the heart with an ashwood dagger, which is very deadly to fairies. Feyre struggles with completing this task internally, but ultimately decides to complete it for Prithian, Tamlin, Alice and her boys, and the human realm. She kills the first two fairies, but the third one is revealed to be Tamlin. Amarantha has forced Feyre's hand to either kill Tamlin or herself or solve the riddle. Feyre thinks of all the things she has learned to see, which choice she should make, and she recalls that he should have a heart of stone from the curse. She tells Tamlin she loves him and then stabs him in the heart. It doesn't go all the way through because, yes, his heart is actually made of stone. Not liking losing, Amarantha doesn't immediately free Tamlin as that was not agreed upon with Feyre winning the trials only by solving the riddle. Amarantha strikes down Feyre and slowly kills her from the inside out, demanding her to admit she doesn't love Tamlin and breaks her bone by bone. Amarantha starts to lose her shit honestly. Rhysand attempts to attack her, but he is still not at full power, and Amarantha counterattacks him. Tamlin begs Amarantha to stop. She does not yield, and Feyre is dying torturously. In her dying moments, Feyre finally figures out the answer to the riddle. Love! Love was the answer. After she answers, Lucian takes his mask off, and with Tamlin's power returned, he kills Amarantha. Tamlin picks up Feyre's broken and dying body and begins crying. One by one, the high lords of the different courts bestow magic into Feyre's body. Tamlin is the last one to give his light, and with that, Feyre is not only healed, but turned into a high fey. Feyre finally gets to see Tamlin without his mask. After the events of the defeat of Amarantha have settled, Feyre and Tamlin are alone. She is starting to enter into a depression and struggling to adapt to her fairy form. Tamlin is healing any remaining wounds she has, and with their reunion, they fuck. When Feyre awakes, she goes out to the balcony to be greeted by Rhysand, who is there to say goodbye to her, and of course, remind her that he will see her again at the night court. He notices something when he looks at Feyre, and then suddenly disappears. Tamlin and Feyre return to the spring court and she sees Alice playing with her boys. The sun sets on the estate and they walk hand in hand home to dinner. The end. All right, so I feel like we have a lot to discuss. We sure do. So should we start with our loves and hates, specifically loves? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. So first love, I love that this is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Same. And I really could see a lot of the similarities without it being like blatantly in your face, mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it's definitely obvious Beauty and the Beast, but at least it's not like scene for scene, the Disney version we all know and hopefully yeah, love. Yeah, it seemed like Sarah just took like the main themes and concepts of Beauty and the Beast and it wasn't like this really like nitty gritty yeah. things, but it's, you know, like the curse, the fact that he turns into a beast, the fact that he's the high lord. That has to be broken with love. The one thing that I did like how it was a little different is in Beauty and the Beast, Belle is very literate mm-hmm. and very smart. But in this, Feyre is illiterate. I liked that, though. Yeah. She's more street smart versus book smart. Yeah. I really loved, like, the plot mystery, not really knowing what was going on pretty much, like, the entire time until a lot of stuff gets kind of revealed at the end. But I personally thought that the payout was good. I, I liked what happened. I liked how, like, the curse 
is lifted. What that, yeah, like how that all like played out and what it did to affect how Amarantha and like the blight, you know, like I thought that it was it was intriguing and the payout was worth it. Yeah, I agree. I loved there was a funny moment in this book. We didn't go over it in the plot breakdown because obviously we can't discuss every single detail that happens. Um, but I loved when Feyre trapped Tamlin in a snare. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Because they were always, like, picking on her about, like, uh, you know, how there was other fairies, like, in the court that, like, she couldn't see at first and kind of always made her feel a little stupid in a way. And then she outsmarts them by being able to, like... Trap them. Yeah. So Feyre did grow on me. I wasn't a huge fan of her at the very beginning of the book. But by the end of the book, I really did like her. And... I'm excited to kind of see the rest of her journey throughout, like, this series. I struggle with Feyre. There's parts of her I like, and there's parts I don't. Um, I do think that makes a compelling character, though. Right. Yeah, for sure. Someone that, like, has, like, it's not it's not all just black and white. Like, there's some gray where you're like, I like that she does this, but, like, why does she have to be, like, this type of character? Yeah, and she has opportunity to grow. Yes. But she does do some stupid fuck shit. I loved how Rhysand, like, subtly and secretly was working against Amarantha, like, the whole time while appearing to others to be, like, her pet and boy toy. Like, everybody, like, always dismissed Rhys and made him out to be horrible. But then as we see with, like, his, like, growing friendship with Feyre under the mountain, he really was sneakily, like, undermining her as he could. Right. It's it's like, keep... Your, your friends, friends close, close but, but your enemies, enemies closer. closer. Like he knew that she was an ultimate bad guy and he was given the opportunity to get close to her. Yeah. And he's smart enough to take it up and be like, I'm going to try to undermine you yeah. from your side. And like the reason he was such a dick to Tamlin the whole time through the book was like to rile him up on purpose. Yeah. To like get that rage building. So when he finally got his magic back, it would just all come out and he could kill Amarantha. Yeah, I did like that too. I did like the trials. Specifically really liked the last one with Tamlin being that last fairy sacrifice before I realized because like I didn't necessarily pick up on the fact that his heart was literally stone until she figured it out. And then I kind of was like, oh, I should have seen this coming. But like as I was reading it, I was like, oh shit, like how are we getting out of this? Like how is Tamlin surviving this? How is Feyre surviving this? I also did like the riddle. And once again, did not guess the riddle. Did you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Instantly. Okay. We're going to come back to that. Okay. (laughs) And then, like, I should have guessed it. Once it was revealed, it was kind of like the Heart of Stone thing. Where I'm like, am I really this dense? Like, this was very obvious. It was the whole purpose of the curse. Like, it makes sense that the riddle was love. love. (laughs) But I'm just like, I don't know. Dumb? You could say it. (laughs) No. You were caught up in the moment. There we go. We'll go with that. I did love all the High Lords, like, giving Feyre some of their magic to, like, heal her. And not just heal her, but, like, make her into a fae. Yeah. I I also had that, how she is now a high fae. I haven't read the rest of the series. I've only read up to book one. Like, I've only read book one. But, like, TikTok spoils things even when you're not meaning to get spoiled, mm-hmm. like, plot stuff. And so I knew Feyre ends up becoming Fay, But you didn't know how. But I didn't know how. And so I did. I did like that. I liked how it was, like, everyone coming together because she ultimately saved them. So it was the least they could do. Right. I really love that Tamlin took care of Feyre's family after she was taken. 
And then I also kind of like that it didn't work on Nesta. Yeah. Like I liked that, that she was too strong-willed. She's too stubborn and too, too much stubborn. of a bitch. That his magic did not take. But I am like, because he did obviously, you learn early on that he set her family up. But like he set her family up. Uh, like they were living in a huge ass manor. Like bigger than the house that they had richer, before. Yeah, richer than they were before. So like he didn't just like give them the bare essentials to like survive. He gave them luxury. Yeah. And I like that. Like, I thought that was really nice. (laughs) So I also liked that the world building was not super overwhelming, but it was enough to understand this made up world. Because I know that you said some of Sarah J. Mass's other books are a lot more high fantasy. uh, Yeah. In depth with just the world building. And I did like how this one, you definitely have world building, but it wasn't overpowering. And this one is an easier to digest fantasy. Yes. Because like high fantasy, you really have to pay attention. To everything. Because then there's like so much like detail with like the political systems and magic system. Yeah. Where it's like this still has the political stuff and the magic stuff. But, but it's, it's YA. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tame. Yeah. It's a little... More Less. palatable, easier to digest. Yeah. And then I also freaking, I loved Resan as soon as he was introduced. He's my type of like male lead in a book. Like I love the dark baddie and how he kind of toyed with Feyre and Tamlin throughout this whole book. And I'm super excited to see more of him in book two. I'm really excited to see him in Feyre's journey, seeing the night court. And then also the fact that book two is a Hades Persephone kind of retelling. Super hype. Super hype for that. Like, I'm surprised that I haven't read book two yet, but I just have to, like, go and buy it. That's why I have it. But super excited. Love him. He seems real hot. Here for it. Oh, I can't wait for you to <laughs> learn more about him and the other people of the night court. Yes. So I got a couple love hates. Okay. My first love hate is... So this was a reread for me. So this time around, I listened to the graphic audio, which... Is a little different than just a normal audiobook. So the graphic audio includes like a full cast, music, sound effects, kind of like an oldies radio program. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's like a very immersive. Read. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Some of the sound effects and parts were a little cringy. It was all, I mean, I was entertained, but some of it was a little like, oh. Just a little too much. Yeah. Like, especially when there wasn't a whole lot of love scenes, which is why we didn't really do like a smut Smut talk. Yeah. Because it was, when we did get to the lovemaking scenes in the graphic audio book, like there's moaning and panting. Oh. So it makes it kind of heightened than when you're reading it on the page. Because when, because the smutty scenes in this book are very, I wouldn't say that they're fade to black, but they're very, they're brief and they're not super in depth. Yeah. So then like as you're reading it, because it's not explicit, you hear these explicit noises in the background. Yeah. And I, like, it was just a little too much. It was a little too much. And then some of the noise effects with like the magic stuff was just kind of like. Little, really? <laughs> like a little cheesy, a little cringy. I feel that. But then, you know, sometimes like the battle scenes then you get like the clank and like just really kind of. That's cool. So love hate. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of it nailed. Other things mm, fail. <laughs> and then my other love hate is Amarantha's villain origin story. Oh, Okay. So I loved the revenge for her sister. Like, totally get that. Love that for her. 
makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hated, but partly enjoyed the pettiness to her villain origin story. Yeah. Like, a couple of ferrymen don't want to willingly fuck me, so I'm going to fuck shit up more and take their lands and power. Petty. Oh, so petty. petty. But the fact that she can do it? Yeah, the fact that she has the power to do it. <laughs> Get it, girl. Like- Get it. <laughs> support women's rights, but also support their wrongs. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now moving into straight up hates. Yeah. So this was a little bit slow for me, and it did take me a little bit to get into the story. But once I started to actually get into it, I really did enjoy it. So it was just like the book one of any series, I feel like, is going to be a little bit slower. Especially like a complex series. Yeah, especially something like this, like fantasy-wise. You're not just, most of the time, you're not just going to get dropped in and it go to zero to 100 quick because you got to build the world you can't just drop a reader in and think that they're gonna grasp everything hope you figure it out (laughs) right because then i would be like fuck this and close it and but what got me through was knowing that the series like gets better and by the end of book one like i really did enjoy it so i hated the painter farah internal dialogue after a bit like the she sees something and then she's like oh i'll never be able to paint that and capture the essence and the beauty of it shut the fuck up shut the fuck spoken up spoken like a true artist though right but like there were more times where she's like oh i'll never be able to do that justice i'll never be able to get that to translate to canvas so can you paint bitch can you do it because i hear a lot about what you can't do i feel that you make a good point though you do so i hated nesta at the beginning of this book i hated her but once Feyre returns home and her and Nesta like bond. I now don't hate Nesta. And I think that she's going to have a very good character arc. At least I'm hoping she does. Get ready for a journey. Yeah. But right now I don't hate her anymore. That could change. But at the beginning I was like, this bitch is terrible. I like Nesta. You know which sister I hate? Elaine. I fucking hate Elaine. She's just so naive and just like head in the clouds and... Okay, so like with Nesta, I get it. She's a bitch. She has her reasons for being a bitch, though, and I like it. But like in book one, you don't really know those. She she talks about it a little bit when Feyre comes back about like with the hatred with her father and kind of why she didn't want to help because she wanted her dad to like step up. True. But why take it out on Feyre? Like she was awful to Feyre, and Feyre was saving her life. Yeah, don't didn't appreciate that, but like I could understand her motives. Okay. Doesn't mean I agree with him, but I can understand it. Elaine, on the other hand. Elaine is supposed to be, like, pure and kind-hearted, but she still doesn't help the family, which to me is worse, because if she's so good, she should be trying and wanting to help, you know? Well, I just feel like she's a follower, and I think that she was just following Nesta's lead. Which leads me to, they need to stop coddling her and she needs to grow the fuck up yeah i mean she does have that like baby like she's the third like she was the youngest that. though oh is favor the youngest? i think fair is the youngest oh, i feel okay. like elaine is in the in i the could middle. be wrong but i feel like Farah is technically the youngest maybe you're right maybe it's just that elaine has just that very young naive vibe but but again but if she's so good and cares so much and is so loving how do you just sit there right. and spend the money that like your sister on boots or whatever? Yeah. 
Yeah. Fuck her. <sighs> Very passionate. So I didn't, I wouldn't say that I hate Tamlin, but like he was not my favorite male lead. I think that he had some good qualities and like he was fun to read about with Feyre, but, and I've told you this before and I understand the reasoning behind it. I'm not ignoring the fact that he kind of had to, but it drove me crazy that when they were under the mountain and Feyre was constantly almost dying, he did absolutely nothing. He didn't try to help her. He didn't try to send Lucian. He just kind of, and I understand why, because if he showed that he cared, it was just more leverage for Amarantha. I get it. But and like, she was watching him like a hawk. And she was watching him like a hawk. But like that doesn't take away from the fact that this is someone that you love and you like constantly are telling them you love them and then are just sitting there with like a stone. Uh, I just don't like it. I just it, was like, it was just very hard because I just wanted to punch him in the balls. You know what I mean? Fair, especially then when you see Reese, who Amarantha was also kind of like equally obsessed with, enamored with, and he was able to leverage that to be sneaky and to undermine her. Right. Where it's like, then Tamlin, why don't you play the role that she fucking wants you to play? Yeah, he just doesn't have that. He's not He's not as smart and as cunning no, as Reese. No, no. And I don't know. But like... He wasn't terrible. It was kind of like a love-hate yeah. type of thing. So back to the trials. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hated the riddle and I hated the worm task. Okay. One, because it was kind of Star Wars ripoff. Like when I, when I was reading the stuff about the worm, I started to picture the worm from Star Wars. See, I've never seen Star Wars, so I, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll, I'll trust you. Fair. But also, couldn't Sarah J. Mass have picked a better monster? Like, really, we've we've gotten the Naga, we've gotten the Bog, we've gotten a few other monsters within this book, and then you're gonna give us a worm? This huge man-eating blind, blind worm. worm. Like, there's better fantasy creatures. But, okay, so I do agree that the actual creature itself was kind of lame, but how she took that creature down was actually very smart. Yeah, it was, but, like, we could have gotten that with, like, a cooler creature. That's true. Not a fucking worm. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. A little petty, but, like, really. And you said you didn't like the riddle either? No. Because you... It was obvious. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so sorry. So sorry. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm just an idiot. <laughs> You're not an idiot. <laughs> I shouldn't be that harsh. My apologies. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, Amarantha. She sucked. She... I loved that she sucked. She sucked, but... She was a decent villain. Yeah. Like, she caused a lot of mayhem mm -hmm. for a lot of characters. For good reasons and petty reasons. For good reasons. and reasons. Yeah, for good and petty. I am glad that she died. I kind of figured that she was going to be one that wouldn't make it through the book. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad that Tamlin did ultimately kill her. Um, and I'm kind of torn about how... It ended with, like, her and Feyre, how she pretty much killed Feyre. Yeah. After Feyre succeeded. I kind of wish that Amarantha saw Feyre get, like, resurrected and, like, reborn into a high fae. I feel like that just would have been, like, a good fuck you. Behead her. Yeah. Type of thing. Like, the last thing she sees is, like, Feyre. This human becoming one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that would have been good. And, I mean, like, she did torture Feyre. Yeah. Which is another reason why it's like kind of fair deserved that F you. My last semi-hate. It's really not. 
I think this book would have been so good in a dual POV. But I read that Sarah J. Moss does not like writing in a male point of view. She doesn't like doing dual POVs. You get a little bit, not much. Right. But you'll get a couple, but it's still mostly just... Oh my god, I think that... If it was written in a dual point of view, I would have gone into this story so much quicker. For sure. Than what it was. And I just thought it was a low-key lost opportunity. Missed opportunity. A little opportunity. bit of a letdown. Yeah. Okay. So those were just some of the loves and hates. I feel like we went on a little bit of rants. Especially me. But it was fun. And we hope you enjoyed it as well. <laughs> When we get a little unhinged yeah. and passionate. So something that I did for this book, too, was make predictions for the series since I haven't read it. I know you have up into a certain point, but like mm-hmm. definitely through Feyre, Feyre's book. Yeah, I haven't books. read Nesta's book, A Court of Silver Flames, but I've read Feyre's point of view. Okay. All of those. So my first kind of prediction is I don't really know if Tamlin actually loves Feyre or if it was just because of his curse. I don't really tr- I don't really fully trust that his intentions are as genuine as he presents them. But I feel like that should be something that you're thinking. Like if it was a curse and you knew that you had to f- a human had to fall in love with you. What's the easiest way to get said human to fall in love with you? Is if you fall in love fall first. in love with them and then kind of, you know, trick them into loving you. I will say that part of the curse though is Tamlin did have to fall in love. So the curse wouldn't Oh, so it was broken. a two-way street. It mm-hmm. was she, the human, had to fall in love with the fae, and the fae had to fall in love with the Yeah. Okay. But so still, it was a two-way could... street. However, the curse wound up getting broken by Feyre solving the riddle. Right. So who really gives a fuck if anyone loves anybody? Right. True. Because, yeah, because even though Feyre ends up telling Tamlin that she loves him, the curse deadline was already passed. So it was yeah. null and void. So yeah. it wasn't gonna be it wasn't gonna break anyway. So we don't really know mm-hmm. if it would have actually broken it to yeah. begin with. Because even though she did win the tasks, Amarantha didn't actually let go of the curse yet until right. the riddle right. got solved. So I just don't trust him. We'll see. We'll see what happens. My next prediction, which Loki was spoiled because of TikTok, but like I'm not a hundred percent sure. This is just me grasping because I know that Farah and Reese are sorry, spoilers, endgame. Um, but I think that in that last chapter before he disappears, when he kind of like has this shock looked on his face, that he realizes that Farah is his true mate. And like that's something that we didn't really go into in the breakdown but like there are these things as true mates where it's like your souls are like one within like the fae Mm -hmm. so i do think that he realized he whatever however you realize that in the fairy world that's what he realized he panicked and said deuces but we about to figure that shit out in book two and three prediction and then the last one is just kind of like an overall statement i think that pharah is about to be a bad bitch the rest of the series now that she's Faye, I think that she might have ups and downs, but I think for the most part, she's going to become like a very strong female character. At least I hope so. Because if she's kind of meek and like, uh, I'm going to be a little disappointed because this is kind of setting her up to be like a bad bitch, you know? Yeah. But those are just a few of my theories. I have no idea about any of the other plot stuff. I have no idea about like where to even guess who the next baddie is going to be. Probably the king. Highburn. Highburn. But, like, I have no idea what that's going to entail. Like, I will not confirm nor deny. 
any of it. But those were just a few things that I kind of was thinking about when I finished up. Your questions will be answered. I just will not tell you in what way. Okay, sweet. I do want to add, it's not a spoiler by any means, but I saw this interesting fan theory about Feyre's mom that I'm kind of into, and I would like to know if this is true or not. I kind of hope it is, that like Feyre's mom is Faye. Oh. And like she fell in love with a human Vera's father and that's kind of why like when the high lords put magic in her like it was able to take and turn her into a fairy because she has this like dormant fairy blood within her sort of thing so do you think with that theory do they think that when the high lords did their magic that it was just enough to heal her they weren't actually expecting her to turn into one of them Mm -hmm. and then the fact that she turns into like a high fae which is like yeah, or maybe they thought it would just turn her Faye. Faye immortal. Because Tamlin did say that, like, oh, you couldn't come back as a human. Right. I don't think they expected it to yield the results that it did. Don't you think that they would have had a more blatant, like, reaction if that were the case, though? Or do you think that they would play it cool because they they wouldn't want her to potentially know? Do you? I think because it was only, like, internally that Faye was like, oh, I'm high Faye. I wonder if the lords don't realize it yet. Oh, okay. Because, you know, the men kind of underestimate women, mm-hmm. even in this, like, fairy system sort of thing. Okay. Because, you know, there's high lords. There's no high ladies. Right. Yeah, they're all men. Interesting. Okay. That would be pretty cool. That would be a pretty cool. Um, but, like, Farrah wouldn't have known. And, like, with the theory, it's like Farrah wouldn't have known that her mom was a fairy. Because, you know, it, it's, it really starts to go deep because, then, like, maybe she gave up powers or, like, got into some sort of bargain or curse. Or maybe she was able to glamour herself. Yeah. Like more permanently. And then, you know, she does die when Feyre's pretty young. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where maybe there was like a, a bond and she didn't fulfill her end of the bargain and that's why she actually died. Mm. That would be pretty cool. I'd be interested. In like I, I'm kind yeah. of into that theory. That's a good one. That's a good one. And I think that we're about to be a little unhinged as we go into this casting because one, we're casting hella characters yeah and two i think that people are going to have very specific ideas of who should be cast as these characters and this is the part that is scaring me a little bit but okay should we start with Feyre? yes who did you cast my pick for Feyre is suki waterhouse from daisy jones and the six nice okay so i think the person that I casted looks pretty similar. It's the, it's the same type of vibe. I went Lily James. All right. Just not the Pam Anderson Lily James, okay? <laughs> Natural. The Cinderella Lily one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, who did you cast for your Nesta? Jessica Stroop from 90210. That's a good one. Oh, she's so pretty. And she... She gives bitch. bitch. She gives bitch. I mean, in 90210, she gave bitch. Hard. That's a good one. So kind of similar vibes for mine as well. And I did not look at yours. So this is kind of, okay. I went Daisy Ridley. Ooh. She's from the new Star Wars yeah. stuff. She kind of was giving me like Nesta. I was like, okay. I'm here for that. Yeah. And then your favorite, Elaine. Who did you cast? Not my favorite. <laughs> I know. Natalia Dyer from Stranger Things. Nice. Okay. So this is funny. On the same kind of wavelength. But. Really? But. Okay. I really thought Elaine was younger than Farah. I could be wrong about that. I think you're right. I think now that you say it, I do think. Because Farah's 19. I think 
Elaine's like 21, 20, 21. Like, I do think she's older. But I didn't cast that way. That's fine. I actually casted Millie Bobby Brown. Okay. So Stranger Things. I did. But I think I would change that if, I don't know to who, maybe like an Emma Watson. She was kind of someone that I was like throwing up for casting of one of the sisters. But then I was just like, she's so mainstream. I didn't want to like cast. I don't know. But maybe I would change her I still like Millie though. I mean, even though like Elaine probably maybe be older than Pharaoh, she doesn't act like it. Maybe she probably she probably honestly doesn't look like it either since Vera is the one who's like done the hard work. Yeah, and you know, you know with Hollywood, like you can make people look older and younger so easily nowadays. Yeah. And like no one actually ever plays people their age. Exactly. Cause like Lily James is in her 30s, but like she could pass as a 19-year-old. Facts. <laughs> okay, moving on to our male leads. Let's start with Tamlin. Who did you cast as our beast? Keegan Allen from Pretty Little Liars. Good one. I like that. Okay. I went Luke Eisner. He's from Tall Girl, and he dates a really popular TikToker. Okay. I like that. It's just I like see th- I see that. The blonde hair. Yeah. He's pretty. He kind of gives me, like, Faye, too. Like, he's <laughs> just, like, a really pretty person. So, yeah, but the thing is with him, too, he's only, he's young. Um, But I think that you could, like, age him up mm-hmm. a little bit. So, all right. My man. Resan. Resan. Who did you cast? I'm 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 interested in this one. Mateus Inwood from the Shannara Chronicles. Oh. Mm, okay. I like that one. Not mad at that. I want Aaron Taylor Johnson. Okay. Specifically these pictures because he does have kind of a wide range of what he looks like. Yeah. But like these pictures that I found is giving me like night court. And just like because he has curly hair straight in it. Yeah. And then Lucian. Who did you cast? Vito Basso. He's an Argentinian model. Ooh. Not mad at that. Not mad at that. I went Daniel Sharman from Teen Wolf. Okay. And he's been in a few other things. He was in the originals, a few other like movies and things. But he was giving me like, especially that one with the long hair. Yeah. You know, and just like get some tinted red in there because I know he's a redhead. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really easy to fix. Dye that, you know what I mean? Wigs, dye jobs. There we go. And last but not least of our casting, we got our big baddie, Amarantha. Who did you cast? Carice Van Houten from Game of Thrones, the red woman. Oh, so good. Oh, I'm just okay. I, I think you won that one. <laughs> I want Kira Knightley. That's still a good pick, though. I could see Kira Knightley being a good Amarantha, but I could see her. Mm. I mean, the red woman was kind of an Amarantha. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that was good. But if you want to see our casting laid out, head over to our Instagram or TikTok, Emotions and Potions Pod, and you can see a bunch of our other shit for this episode there, too. Hopefully you agree with us. Um, We'll find out once it goes live for the world to see. Yeah, I think that if no one says anything, we're in the clear. Yeah, so we'll see. Okay, time to soundtrack Akatar. So I got just an Akatar theme song. Okay. Song that sums up this whole book. You Put a Spell on Me by Austin Griorio. That is a good overall theme song. So I didn't do that, but I did do... So my first category that I had was Feyre not being able to return home slash find an escape when she originally gets taken before she ends up liking the spring court. And that's No Escape by Health and the Neighborhood. It's kind of like an edgier song. And I just, like that one. Yeah. No Escape. I mean, big facts. Yeah. All right. So my next one is Feyre and Tamlin's time at the spring court. Ooh, okay. Behind the Mask 
by Ivy and Gold. That's a good one. I listened to that on our playlist. I'm glad you used it. My next category is Farrah Trustin Resan in any sense throughout this book. And it's The Devil I Know by Allie X. Yes. Because <laughs> he was the best option. She didn't really know uh, if there was a better option. So she was trusting the devil she knew mm-hmm. versus the devil she don't. <laughs> that bitch Amarantha. <laughs> yeah. So my next one is Tamlin's song, Big Bad Wolf, Roses and Revolutions. Nice. Like that. Fitting. So I have Farrah's theme song, which is Sour Candy by Lady Gaga and Blackpink. Pretty much just be <laughs> like, she's sour that she's got a sweet. Like she, you know. Yeah. She kind of has different modes of her personality. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, my next one is Fucking a Fairy. Ooh, okay. Wow, by Zara Larson and Sabrina Carpenter. That's such a great song, and that theme is awesome too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next one is Farrah's Trial theme song, or The Trials, which is Hit Me With Your Best Shot, which is a remix by Adana. Ooh. And it's from, it's originally from, um, the Suicide Squad soundtrack. Okay. So it's like yeah. gritty and like, yeah. it's not like the poppy version. Of- All right. So then my next one is Farah's Captive Under the Mountain song. I think I can guess what this one is, but what is it? Hi, my name is Lonely Oh, okay. by Steph. Okay. Never mind. That's not what I was going to guess, but that's good. What were you going to? Under, Under the, the Mountain. mountain. <laughs> Uh, my next category is Feyre being Faye and her growth throughout the book. <laughs> and this one's low-key kind of stupid, but it's just such a banger. Metamorphosis by Hilary Duff. <laughs> yes, Miss Duff. I was, in a, I was in a throwback mood, okay? Hey, I My love, childhood resurfaced. I've done throwback songs in some of our other playlists. Yes. But yeah, Metamorphosis. That bitch is evolving. Yeah. All right, I got a song of Feyre's marks from Resan, like her tattoo marks. Oh, okay. And it's the song Tattoos by Renee Rapp. Nice. I could have guessed that one. I would have guessed that one right. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> See, you are smart. <laughs> <laughs> I have my moments. Next category, Feyre and Tamlin's love song, which is Low Key in Love by Paris Jackson and the Struts. I really like that song. Me too, and I think that it's very fitting. For more so Feyre. Yeah. Because Tamlin was very... Uh, he was high-key in, high key in love. About. <laughs> he was high-key in love. <laughs> but was he? My last song is Reese's taunting song to Tamlin. Ooh, okay. Kissed your girl, Levi Roth. Nice. That is that is a uh, in-your-face taunting song. Reese, love him. And my last theme is Tamlin's curse theme song, which is Waiting for Love by Avicii. He's just literally, he's waiting for love. He was waiting 49 years for it. He was waiting for almost five decades. Should we rate this? Yes. What did you rate Akatar's Spice? A two. Okay. I two went out two of five. five. I went two five out of five. I would say I would probably bump it up with the graphic audio just because of the intensity of those sex scenes. <laughs> yeah, with hearing the, it. Yeah, with the sound effects. But as far as like written and like two. I said two five. Just for readers maybe who don't read a whole lot of smut, it might be more than they think. So I just wanted to give it like a little bit more. But yeah, two, two, five, I think is very fair. Yeah. And I'm hoping that book two that bumps up. I've heard that it does. This series, as it progresses and as Feyre ages and gets older, the content matures with the characters okay. maturing. 
I like that. I'm not mad at that. And what did you give this book overall? What did you rate? I give the first one a 7 out of 10. I mean, it's fairly predictable, especially if, you, if you're a fantasy romance reader. If you've read some Beauty and the Beast retellings, there's tons of them out there. There's nothing super extraordinary about this plot. Is it intriguing? Is it captivating? Absolutely. Am I blown by book one? No. Yeah. Do I like it? Yes. Yeah, I gave it a 7.5. Um, ignore my Goodreads because I did give it a 5 <laughs> star on Goodreads because I'm very, I'm more generous on Goodreads than I am like when we actually review them in like pod form. Yeah, because like people will go on Goodreads and intentionally try to like bomb books, which is rude. Yeah, because like I did think that this book was really well written and I do think the reason I gave it a 7.5 instead of a 7 is because I do think it leaves in a good place for book two. Yeah. Like I, I definitely, when I, like, finished, was like, okay, I am ready to continue on in this. But it does also wrap up enough that if you never picked up another book in this series, yeah. I would kind of be satisfied with it. Yeah. Because it alludes to a happily ever after. Yeah, I mean, her and Tamlin just... Right off into the right sunset. Right into the sunset. And if that's, like, if you just weren't really into this, I think that it's actually a decent book to part of a series to just... Stop. To stop. If I don't think you could vibe. stop... If you read book two, I don't think you could stop there. Right. You'd want, you need some more closure. You need to read book three to. I think so. Just because then you start to get more into the political stuff and to like this Highburn war thing. Gotcha. Okay. So you get more with that. So then it's like, oh, I'm actually not going to know stuff, big stuff that's been spoken about. Okay. Fair enough. And Alex, the last thing we need to talk about, was it a love letter or a hate letter? I'm going to give it a love. I'm going to give it a love too. I'm going to give it it's a, soft, a love. soft love. It's a soft love. It's a soft love. But it's it's nowhere near getting a hate. No. Even a soft hate. No. So, yeah. Overall, it was a good book. Yeah. I'm not um this might I might be burned at the stake for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm not totally, like, enthralled with, like, Sarah J. Mass, though, as of right now. Because I know people who, like, are like, she's my favorite. She's the best. I stand ride or die for her. Yeah. Kind of like a Colleen Hoover. Yeah. People are very, like, ride or die. Not there yet. Do I think that it's a possibility? Sure. But. All right. Controversial statement, but I'm going to stand by it and throw it out there. I don't think you're going to be. No. I've read more of the books than you have, and I don't think you're going to be. I think you'll enjoy it. And I'll like her. I think you'll like it. Yeah. I just don't think you're going to be like, oh, my God, this is mind-blowing. I am just swept away. She can do no wrong. I don't think that's going to be Fair enough. I don't either, but it's always a possibility. But that's not saying that I don't think that she's a good author. No, I think you may have a book or two that you're like, this is my favorite this book. This is my shit. But like, because like the Throne of Glass series, I don't know if you would totally vibe with that one. And then her newer one, Crescent City, Crescent City. I don't know if you would vibe with that. I think parts of it you would. But like those two new books are just so fucking big. And I'm sorry for what? (laughs) Yeah. Well, she gives me again. They're not bad, but like for what? Yeah. Because this gives me very much like George R. R. Martin, where like the love Game of Thrones, loved book one. But as I got into book two, like I could not. And I, I've read that whole series. And honestly, for what? Right, right. It's just like too much. But. Yeah, like it's, I mean, again, 
there's great elements to that. But like an edit would have been really nice. Yeah, like tone it down a little bit. We don't care about all the shit, really. I really don't care about reading the in-depths of these fucking banquets and like feasts. Right. And I'm a foodie. Yeah, I know. But we shall see as we continue the series. Maybe we'll do book two for the pod. Maybe we won't. We'll throw it, but you know what? We're going to throw it in the poll. Should we continue? Should we continue? And do you guys want to hear more about the Akatar series? Or are you kind of over it? Because, I mean, it is kind of a saturated thing. Yeah. But, I mean, clearly we're not on, like, the um, stand train. So maybe you might like get, hearing yeah, our thoughts. Yeah, you might get some different opinions of the Akatar world. But, yeah, let us know. On social media, Emotions and Potions Pod, comment, DM us, like us, follow us, share us, whatever. And let us know what you want to hear in the future. And until next time, I'm still Alex. And I'm still Ashton. And this was another episode of Emotions and Potions. A love slash hate letter, too. And it was a love letter to Akatar Book One. Bye. Bye.